Hello and welcome to the In The Pen Podcast, a podcast about relievers, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jake Crumpler, and as always, I'm joined by Pitcherless bullpen expert Rick Graham. Rick, we were just talking about him, but uh, how are you doing and, and <laughs> what, what's your take on the Fanatics jerseys slash pants situation? It's um, It's gotten to the point where it's just, I don't understand how... It started off with, okay, the uniforms are like the back of the uniforms. All right. The names are a little small. Uh-huh. Like, all right, that's that's bad. It's not great, but, you know, okay. And now, you know, with the pants, um, it's just, all right, we need a complete overhaul here, I think. <laughs> There's no way they can go into the season with these see-through pants. Um, I don't understand how a company like Fanatics and Nike, how this happened, but this is like, there's no sort of, they didn't. No one tried on these pants. They're like, oh, you know what? You can, you can actually kind of see through those. Like, that never <laughs> happened before they shipped them out to every team. Yeah, it's it's wild. I, I did not expect it to get much worse after the, you know, names on the back were, were super small and everything. But then, like, it just it just continued to get worse. Not like not only are does it look different on the back, but they look really cheap, too. And then you have the fact that they actually are cheaper because they're not stitched. They're all like... Right. pressed on there too um and then they raise the prices of the jerseys as well for fans to buy them and it's it's pretty crazy how unanimous the distaste for them are across fans and players alike and yeah it's pretty wild i, I don't know if you saw also just the the not only are the names smaller but they curve them a little bit more and it just makes it look so bad especially for players mm. with like four letter names they just it just looks terrible and then uh guys with you know hyphenated names it's almost like you're creating almost a full circle around those but then (laughs) the the pants was just another level you can just fully see through them and we're gonna really need a hero at some point in spring training to take one for the team and and really do something drastic to make uh fanatics do something about this i mean i i I can't imagine they go into the regular i don't know what they can do at this point but i just can't see them going into the regular season with those but who knows yeah yeah and and not only that but it's like the the pants are non-customizable i know a lot of players are built differently they they might have bigger backsides than others and in the past they like to sort of account for that by having customized pants and now that's no longer an option so there's just there's just so much going bad with this and it's not really the best publicity for the game to have right as spring training is about to begin uh but yeah it's been definitely something to talk about and at least it's a situation where we can all agree that they're bad and it's not like people are arguing on Twitter about it. They're, they're, everyone's all on the same team. Um, but speaking of spring training, did you catch the first game today? I wasn't able to see it. Uh, I was at work, but I saw some of the results. I quickly glanced at the box score. Um, saw Yuki Matsui had a pretty nice outing. Yeah. He did. Yeah, he struck out the side. It was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I did not get to watch much of it because I was at work, but I did tune in for a little bit on my lunch break. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped. Baseball's back. Spring training is getting into full swing. We should have a – I think we have got like 10 games or something tomorrow, and then yeah. across the weekend, obviously, everything just continues to ramp up. So we are really getting close to baseball season as uh, players are finally hitting the field. But today we will be talking about relievers 
numbers as we usually do. We'll start it off by covering the few transactions that we have trickling in, and then we will talk about the most improved bullpens from 2023 to this upcoming season, basically which teams added the most or improved the most this offseason to make their bullpens better going into the 2024 campaign. But if you have uh, no more small little things that we talked about at the head of the podcast, we can just jump right into the transactions. Let's do it. Yeah. That's uh, not a lot of transactions this week, but exactly. yeah, some notable ones. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, the first notable one, the Marlins traded left-hander Steven Okert to the Twins for Nick Gordon. We won't discuss Gordon, but the Twins do add Steven Okert, a uh, lefty to their bullpen, which they had sort of been lacking with only Caleb Thielbar, the projected the only projected lefty to be in that bullpen. And I think Okert adds uh, a really good look to that bullpen, which is pretty strong at the moment. But do you think Okert can climb the ranks and become a guy that's you know, rosterable in saves plus holds leagues or just holds leagues in general, because he has been a really decent strikeout arm in the past couple of years, but has sort of been buried beneath the plethora of lefties in Miami. Right. Yeah. It's, it's a better situation for him to get high leverage uh, spots due to, yeah, it's just teal bar right now, but there is, you know, Funderburk still there. I thought he was going to have an opening day spot. Um, but for now, I think Okart, that's like a very, the, the bullpen's deep, just not exactly top heavy mm-hmm. outside of Duran. But, you know, you have Jack, Jack Stewart, Tealbar, Topa, Okart. I mean, between the, that group, I think there's, you know, three guys that could end up being holds league relevant. And I think, you know, Jax is probably going to be one. Stewart, I want to say, is going to be the second one, health dependent. Let's see what his stuff looks like this year. I mean, he was mm-hmm. awesome last year and just is only yeah. 27 innings, but high leverage stuff. And then, yeah, it's kind of Okart and Tealbar fighting for that like high leverage lefty spot. And I'm guessing Tealbar starts the year. Tealbar starts the year. But uh, Okart's, you know, I've always been high on his swing and miss stuff. So there's, mm-hmm. there's a chance he climbs that. Um, that ladder and into some holds relevancy. Yeah. And it's not like Oker or Thielbar isn't good. The The past two years, he's had a strikeout minus walk rate of at least 25%, right. but the guy will be 37 next year and struggled to stay healthy last year, tossing only 30 and two thirds innings. So there's a chance that either, you know, health affects him more as he gets older, or maybe he has a decline in skills, but we haven't really seen that just yet. So he may be fighting as Okert may be fighting as the number two lefty in Minnesota, but I, I love the ad there. It definitely adds some depth to that bullpen. And it, it should be interesting to see too, how the starting situation works out. I know that they are planning to have Anthony DiSclefani start the year in the rotation and same with Chris Paddock. So that could either mean Louis Varlin starts the year in the minors or in the bullpen. And we saw just how good he could be in the bullpen last year with just incredible velocity and a, and a great sweeper and stuff. Um, but you know, if, if one of Paddock or DiSclefani don't work out and Varlin makes it back into the bullpen, or makes it back into the rotation. We could see Paddock move back to the bullpen where he had a lot of success last year. So I think there's still a lot up in the air for this bullpen in terms of how the front end shakes out, but this could be a really interesting group uh, for the whole season. Yeah, for sure. I think even the, I mean, they lost Sonny Gray. They lost some, some pieces here, but I, I think overall it's a, it's a very solid group, you know, one through 13, you know, rotation mm-hmm. and bullpen. So, 
Yeah, and you, you got Varland who can, you know, excel in pretty much either role, starter or reliever, as well as, you know, someone like Thunderbird in, in AAA to start the year probably. And Jorge Alcala, maybe he maybe finally he can stay healthy and yeah. give them something as well. Yeah, there there was there was a time when it felt yeah. like he was gonna be the next closer there uh, until Duran took over. But we can move over to the Phillies signing of Spencer Turnbull. This is not one that we'd usually talk about as Turnbull has been a starter throughout his career. He's literally made one relief appearance ever and it was in his rookie campaign in 2018. But the guy has been recovering from surgeries, missed all of 2022 and a lot of 2021 and only pitched 31 innings in 2023. But he'll go to Philadelphia where they have a pretty locked-in rotation already with Wheeler, Nola, Suarez, Walker, and Sanchez. So it's looking like Turnbull's going to be a long reliever and more of like a, a swingman as well that can spot start and, and fill in when when he needs it, when the team needs it. But is there a shot that Turnbull makes his way into being fantasy relevant in safe plus holds leagues? Yeah, I mean, especially with how the Phillies have been kind of, I mean, look at what they've done for Jeff Hoffman, even guys like Alvarado and Soto, I feel like they've gotten the best out of. Uh, Matt Strom had a great year last year. They've mm-hmm. really kind of turned into a, a really good pitching factory. All of a sudden, the Phillies are, you know, a bullpen factory. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I, yeah, but it's, it's you know, Turnbull is going to be, it's interesting. If he does, I mean, it looks like he'll probably be stretched out a little bit, but... Yeah, there's there's some intrigue here because when he was healthy and a starter, I mean, he, he was, you know, he wasn't, you know, a world beater, but he was a really good, you know, uh, rotation option. So, mm-hmm. you know, fat, he's cutter slider guy. So, I mean, that, that could really play up in the bullpen. I, I do. Yeah, there's so many options for him. There's so many, you know, guys for him that he would have to jump over to be like holds league relevant, but maybe. He's one of those guys, those like long relievers, three inning mm-hmm. guys who can be valuable as for, you know for strikeouts, ratios, and wins. Um, yeah, um, yeah. This, we'll, we'll see. You know, it's, when's the last time he pitched? It's been he pitched last year, thirty one innings. Year. Oh, that's right, thirty one innings last year. He was year, not okay. good. Seven two six no. ERA. <laughs> I mean, it takes takes a minute to to you know you know, get your stuff back from Tommy John. So that was expect to be expected. So, yeah, I mean, this is someone to watch definitely in, in spring and see, see what his arsenal looks like. See what, you know, get some velocity readings, I guess mm-hmm. it's, it's not always important, but for someone like Turnbull, it, you know, command velocity, what the, what his pitch mix looks like. That's, that's going to be important to watch in spring. Yeah. No, if he can uh, add a tick or two of velocity pitching out of the bullpen, that would be really interesting. But I will echo your sentiments that this is a guy that I'll be targeting in leagues where starts are limited. So he can go multiple innings out of the pen and maybe nab a few wins as well. So that that should be interesting. But he's not going to be like a, a shallow holds league guy at the moment, but we'll, we'll see what the Phillies can make of him. The A's signed Scott Alexander, a former giant to a one-year deal and he joins a pretty shallow bullpen so there is a pretty good opportunity for him to 
get some holds and maybe even have a shot at saves. Right now, it seems like he might be the top left-hander in that bullpen. He wasn't too great last year, 4.66 ERA, but we've seen times where he did pitch exceptionally for the Dodgers and Giants. It's just been a problem of maintaining a roster spot as he just rarely gets opportunities to pitch more than 20 innings in a season. But with the current status of this bullpen where you really don't have anybody that stands out as the clear-cut top guy and maybe you have some guys who might have the potential to be really good closers like Mason Miller. He's got incredible stuff, but we'll see how the team uses him. Does Scott Alexander play a big part in the late innings of this bullpen and does the team situation sort of hold him back from rising up your holds ranks? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, the team situation and just Alexander's um, stuff hold me back from getting any excited at all for him. I The only person I'm rostering here is Mason Miller. Maybe in really deep leagues, I'll take a chance on Ersig. But um, yeah, I'm still just the A's. Yeah, I'm out on, on Alexander and everyone not named mm-hmm. Mason Miller. <laughs> Yeah, he he would really need to step up his game too because last year he tossed 48 innings, which is his highest total since 2018. Uh, the only problem is he struck out less than 15% of batters. So he's yeah. really not going to affect a lot of your fantasy categories if he's getting holds and maybe he can get double digits, but that's not going to be super impactful. And just talking a little bit more about the A's bullpen situation. I did read a report that David Forrest, who's the, I think he's the GM, not the Mm -hmm. president of baseball operations. He suggested that the three guys going into camp fighting for the closer role are Mason Miller, Danny Jimenez and Trevor Gott. Uh, Whereas Urseg, still trying to figure out how to pronounce that one. Um, He might have the best stuff there in terms of velocity. He led the team in strikeout rate last year with a minimum of 20 innings pitched and also tossed the most innings as well. Except he might just be the guy that's sort of locked into a setup role, which really tanks his value, but also, I I don't know, muddies up the the water here because it's not like there's anybody that stands out a lot, especially like uh, Gott and and Jimenez have more closing experience than Miller, but Miller's much better than them. And just the shakiness of the situation, as well as like how bad the A's are going to be, how few save opportunities they're going to have, really makes it a situation that's very easy to stay away from. Because it was like last year, you had Trevor May, and it's like didn't matter that he was on a terrible team because the few games that they did win were likely to be close. So he was going to get saves, and he surpassed 20. So that's that was solid. But now it's like when you don't have a clear-cut guy like that, it's it doesn't really feel like it's worth it going after this. I I think it might. I mean, knowing how the A, I think – Got could be the guy here because of service time manipulation. Ersic has less service time than Mason Miller. Um, so, I mean, that, mm-hmm. that could be a reason why they don't put him in yep. that conversation. Mm-hmm. Jimenez has, you know, two, two plus years under his belt. Um, he, you know, could be, he, he and Got probably, I guess, would be the favorites if that's what the A's are trying to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got to free agent after this year. Right. So you can flip him at the deadline. Um, and I don't think Jimenez is a free agent until after 2027. So that's yeah, uh, got, one, two, three, four more years. Yeah. So he's got some time left. And other than that, yeah, there's not really, really no other options here unless you want to talk about like Sean Newcomb or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's just not. 
Yeah. Not going to happen, I doubt. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just a I mean, bad bullpen. It's it's Yeah. God was God was pretty solid last year, but it's not like he's not that good that it's like I'm going to take that risk on a, on a guy like that. <laughs> but, you know, if you're in a 15 team league and it's like your last pick in a draft, and you just want to like maybe get a guy that's going to get you a few saves at the beginning of the season. Um, I, I feel like God's the one who stands out amongst I, that group. I just remember when he was the Giants closer for yep. a minute and mm-hmm. I rostered him and yeah, regretted that. Um, <laughs> he well, had a I'll, 10 I'll, ERA that year. I am not going to let that sway my decision for 2024, but uh-huh. still, I'm I'm still probably not in on God. If if we do hear that he is the closer, um, going to be the closer. If he's named that in March, then uh, he's you know he's someone you probably take it in the 300 range. But I, inside the top 300, I probably don't even you know I'm probably not interested in him. Oh, because, yeah, no, yeah, no shot. That's like a yeah. post 400 pick. Yeah, even if he's named closer, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's still dicey. There's too many, too many options here that aren't really options, but they're just you know Trevor God's not exactly gonna you know if he blows two saves, he's not gonna keep that role probably. So yeah, yeah, it's so, just a bad situation. Yes, so we advise staying away from that Oakland bullpen at all costs. Um, we've got a couple more moves to go over before we get into the main event of the podcast, but first we're gonna take a quick break. And we're back. Jake Crumpler here with Rick Graham on In the Pen talking relievers. We just discussed a couple of moves, including Stephen Oker being traded to the Twins, Spencer Turnbull signing with the Phillies, and Scott Alexander signing with the A's. Now I'll move over to another trade as the Red Sox traded John Schreiber to the Royals. The Royals have added a lot to their bullpen, and this will definitely be part of our later discussion in terms of how much they've done to improve their bullpen going into 2024, but taking John Schreiber out of Boston where he's had a pretty decent career there. Um, Didn't pitch a lot in his first year in 2021, but the past couple of years have been pretty kind to him across his career in Boston, 114 innings, 2.90 ERA, and he struck out uh, 28% of batters. That's those are pretty decent numbers. And he's, he's the, he's the sidearm one, right? Yeah, it's he comes from a funky angle. Yeah, sidearm yeah. angle. Yeah. So, so that's an interesting addition. There might be too much competition for him to be a legitimate holds candidate, especially you know in the same avenue of the A's. I don't know how good we expect the Royals to be, how many save or holds opportunities they might have. But <laughs> where do you slot Schreiber in that holds ladder? Yeah, I mean the, the bullpen does have it has names now. Yeah, it's like you, you recognize the names here. I don't uh-huh. know how well that it's that's this is all going to turn out. I mean, everyone here is projected to have an ERA over four. Um, but I I think you know Schreiber is a, is a good. I like as a Red Sox fan, I like this. I like the trade from both from both sides. I guess I, I the Red Sox need starting pitching prospect depth more than anyone. And you know Schreiber, he was good in 2022, but that's it. I mean, last year he was not—he didn't really provide any value. Um, and like you said, 21, he barely pitched. So I think you know I don't think he ends up. He might be in the mix for saves at some point because this is—it's a bullpen that has again. There's names here, and there's MacArthur and McMillan as well. McMillan's the probably the most talented of this whole group, unless Nick Anderson's fully healthy or Carlos mm-hmm. Hernandez can figure figure things out, but. Um, 
I, I think I still at Schreiber as kind of a low end holds candidate, even with the Red Sox. He probably I don't think his value changes too much in Kansas City. It's probably, you know, if anything, I think there might be a little bit more opportunity just because, you know, Will Smith could flame out. We don't really know a lot about MacArthur or McMillan. Um, Anderson and Stratton are more wild cards than sure things at this point. So there's opportunity there. Um, then a Royal scene that probably will be better than that last year. At least they've spent like they're going to be better than the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so there should be more change. I mean, I mean, I don't remember from their bullpen last year, Barlow had a decent like month or two after that, like MacArthur had a good September, but there was really not a lot of value here. Um, throughout the year from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think he's a, he's a solid option in deep holds leagues. I feel like he's sort of locked into a high three ZRA, a 25% strikeout rate. And with the possibility of getting double digit holds right now, ATC has him for 14, which seems about right. Uh, that's, that's pretty decent, especially if you're in a deep holds leagues, but anything shallower, you know, you're probably not, looking at him or, or considering him a lot because he doesn't really stand out in one area, but there's definitely some opportunity here. And if the Royals do get better, like you said, he should have more holds opportunities as well. The one thing that he brings that no one else in this bullpen, and I, I'm not I'm checking, double checking guys like McMillan and MacArthur, but uh, he, he's able, he's able to get ground balls at a high rate, which, you know, like mm-hmm. none, none of these other guys in this bullpen can. So that makes me think that yeah he'll he'll have a high leverage role you know in late late innings where you know they need to get a ground ball get a double play something like that uh, that that's kind of how the Red Sox use them too it's you know seventh inning sometimes eighth inning depending on situations so yeah I think Schreiber's a safe bet probably you know strikeout rate's probably never going to be over thirty but he's not going to kill your ratios and should be yeah fourteen holds sounds about right but you could easily get to 20 maybe too if, he, if he's able to stay healthy mm-hmm. all right and then we'll stick in boston and check out the biggest signing from the past couple of weeks and that was the red sox signing liam Hendricks to a two-year eight million dollar deal it comes with a ridiculous amount of incentives 20 million dollars of incentives and he's also got a $12 million mutual option for 2026 that includes a $2 million buyout. So I feel like those incentives are heavily baked into him closing in 2025. So it's like uh, he probably gets the majority of it if he reaches 40 saves or something like that. But this is pretty interesting, although it does not impact 2024 fantasy baseball like at all. I feel yeah. like he's either not going to pitch at all. Or he's going to pitch a little bit in September, but it should be pretty interesting and it makes a lot of sense given the timeline of this bullpen right now with Kenley Jansen about to hit free agency after 2024 Hendricks could slide in perfectly. It's a, it's a great transition, but as a Red Sox fan, how, how are you feeling about Hendricks switching socks? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love it as a fan of Liam Hendricks and as a Red Sox fan, it's, I mean, obviously this is, just a fun guy, a great guy that like, you know, you, you cannot, it's hard to not root for. So uh-huh. I like him being on the team I root for. Um, that being said, the, you know, at his age, which is my age, it's, you know, coming back <laughs> from this type of injury injury. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's concerning. He, he keeps, he said he's going to be ready for to, to pitch in, in major league games by 
the all-star or by the trade deadline, which I just, Oh wow. That would be amazing. That would be shocking. And I don't see any real point to that unless somehow the Red Sox are making an unexpected playoff run. Uh-huh. Um, more likely, I, I do think, you know, Jansen and Martin are probably going to be traded this year. Um, probably around the deadline or maybe before even for Jansen. Uh, and so maybe, yeah, Hendricks is kind of wants to come back in, you know, September, like you said, and probably makes more sense. Um, there's no need to rush him, you know, try no. to get two, two good years out of this contract and those being the next two. So I, you know, I'm excited for it. The, this looks like it's well, you know, with all the incentives, it's, you know, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of risk here. So, you know, I just, this year, yeah, I don't, I don't think even if he does come back, I don't think he's as we were kind of talking about earlier. Guys, you know, first year back from Tommy John, it's just, it's just stay away from them unless mm-hmm. I don't know, yeah, just stay away from them. It, it never, it never really works out either. The velos down or the, the controls way off, and yep. yeah, it's just just one one thing or another. Yeah, but uh, that should be exciting when he does finally you know, make his debut for the team, or maybe he's the full-time closer in 2025. Cause I feel like it's really easy to forget how good he was from 2019 yeah. to 2022, literally the best reliever in baseball. There was a season where he had a 42.3% strikeout rate and a 2.6% walk rate. It was so close to being a 40% strikeout minus walk percentage, which is absolutely bonkers. I, I don't know if we'll ever see something like that again, but he was that was in 2021. He was really at his peak then and just w- was so good for a few years. And it was really fun to watch him, especially in that all-star game. Yeah, that was, that was awesome to see him. And yeah, I, I, I hope he can get back to that form next year. Um, and I think, yeah, right. I mean, so obviously we're not talking about 2025 now, but he mm-hmm. should be the favorite for saves in Boston for next year. Yeah. Yes, that'll, that'll be fun. I'm happy for you and your team to close out this section of transactions. There were a few interesting minor league deals. I'll run through them really quick, and then you let me know if there's anybody you want to talk about. The Giants signed Amir Garrett, the Angels signed Drew Pomeranz, and the White Sox signed both Dominic Leone and Corey Knable. Do any of these guys stand out to you? Uh, it's kind of an interesting group, all four of them. Um not expecting a lot out of them. I mean, they're minor league deals. Well, Pomeranz hasn't pitched in three years now. I mean, it's when was been a last? while. Yeah, it's he's just keeps having setback after setback. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I mean, he was he was so good when he left Milwaukee and then yeah, became a reliever. I mean, this was some good times. He was up to the top of my holds list for for a while. Um, will be interesting to see what he looks like in this the spring and the the, the two White Sox guys. I mean, mm-hmm. you just, we probably should have mentioned that Brebbia's got an issue. He's got what is what he a strained calf that he, it's not expected to keep him out too long. But you know he's already dealing with an injury. So mm-hmm. if I, I think Canable's a little bit, um, he's got a setback as well. But you know both those he and Leone, um. Both have had shown good stuff in the past. Obviously, Knable was a former closer. Um, so, yeah, two names to keep an eye on there as we have no idea what's going to happen with the White Sox bullpen this year. Yeah. It's, it's still very up in the air. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Just the names that they currently have in their bullpen are not presenting any sort of stop stopping block. And I 
I don't know what that what that was supposed to mean. Um, they're not preventing yeah, these guys yeah, yeah. from taking over any sort of significant role. So I think there's definitely a big opportunity there, especially because right now in roster resource, the top two setup men are both non-roster invitee minor league signings, Jesse Chavez and Brian Shaw, both in their late 30s. So if Knable and or Leon can uh, display health and and maybe some they don't even have to be better than they were last year. I mean, Knievel didn't pitch, but Leon was, you know, relatively solid. So I, I think there's definitely opportunity here. And especially so if Rebia isn't ready to start the season, one of these guys could be the closer there because if n- none of those three, like Brebia, Knievel or Leon is not the closer, I have n- like, are they just going back to Brian Shaw again? Yeah, I mean, it could be. It could be. Like, I don't know who else they would go go to. Um, this this bullpen could be very. This could be just full of non roster invites, and then Tim Hill, yeah. and John Brebbia. It's it's yeah. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. It, it depends. You know, I one of the worst bullpens it. I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's one of my, and we'll, we're going to talk about that in the next segment about you know, bullpens that got better, but bullpens that got worse, and it's. You know, it's hard. It wasn't a great bullpen to begin with last year, but it, it mm-hmm. definitely got worse. And um, I wonder, yeah, Crochet and like DV Garcia, Davy Garcia, like maybe one of those guys could actually be like Garcia. Maybe could be like a sneaky closer, potential middle of the year mm-hmm. closer. I don't know. It's just a. It's it's really a not a fun bullpen to predict about predict right now. <laughs> No, and they've got a couple guys in the minors that are sort of interesting. They acquired Prelander Baroa, and they've got Jordan Leisure, who we were talking about, and DMs uh, last week. So there's enough guys, and like you said, their their non roster invitees are just plentiful. I think there's almost ten of them coming from the bullpen alone. So there's there's plenty of opportunity there. Actually, Joe Barlow is pretty interesting because he actually does have a little bit of closing experience for the the Rangers. What was that? 2021. Um, Yeah. yeah, So there's a shot 2021 and 2022. So there there will be plenty of guys here. (laughs) Yeah. This bullpen would have been really good like three, four years ago. A couple years years ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some of these guys. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting non-roster group. Yes, but this will be a situation that we'll have to monitor all spring. Uh, right now, it looks like Brebby is going to be the closer, but if he's unable to recover in time from that injury that he's dealing with currently, it's uh, it, it may be a tough situation, but it may be one that you will be able to, as a fantasy man- manager, benefit from just by staying on top of things. But th- this is a team that you know is going to be about as bad as the A's are. I, they might not be that bad, but there's a shot that they're even worse than they are. So I'm not sure how many wins they're going to have. This might be a situation to stay away from outside of John Brebbia. Yeah, I, it is. And as bad. And yeah, it was a bad bullpen last year, but I do remember around this time last year and I'll, I'll admit my mistakes, but I definitely thought the White Sox bullpen was going to be sneaky good last year. <laughs> that turned out horribly wrong, but something I, I think it might just be part of, Part, partially just this team, this organization, because yep. some of those guys, once they got out of there, they did pitch well. And mm-hmm. I think like guys like Aaron Bummer are going to have a good season. And, you know, Joe Kelly in LA will probably be fine. Ronaldo Lopez in Atlanta will be fine. So yeah, it's, it's come a long way. And now we're, you know, from those guys to Jesse Chavez, Brian Shaw and Jimmy Lambert as your uh, setup guys. 
<laughs> yeah, it'll be uh, an interesting season to watch there on the south side of Chicago. But that's it for the transaction. So we can move on over to the most improved bullpens from 2023 through the offseason. The teams that added the most. Uh, I went through and, and picked out some teams that I thought made a lot of moves that were significant compared to the amount of pitchers that they lost. And then I also went through and just noted all the teams that made a somewhat significant addition to their bullpen. But I see you have a top 30. Did you want to go over that at all? No, I was just, I put together like a spreadsheet of kind of what 2020, what the bullpens were, you know, stat wise in 2023 Mm -hmm. and trying to take that and see, you know, which teams lost, which teams added. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some definitely there's some definite winners in here, and we, yeah, we can, I don't know how you want to start with this, but yeah, I mean, I can just run through the the ones that I put together, and we can yeah. uh, sort of go from there. But it, I guess we'll just start with Kansas City since that was the first team that I picked, and we already started sort of started to talk about them. They added Will Smith, Chris Stratton, John Schreiber, and Nick Anderson while losing Josh Stalmont, Taylor Clark, Dylan Coleman, and Jackson Kowar. That is interesting in in the fact that they got a bunch of guys that you sort of know what you're going to get from them. You got a bunch of veterans and re- replace some injury prone um, young guys that we have seen very volatile skills and, and performances from, but it really does make this bullpen feel a lot more safe going forward. I, I feel a lot more confident in that. And then also you'll have full seasons of both James MacArthur and John McMillan, as you mentioned before, as well as maybe mm-hmm. a, increase in production from Carlos Hernandez who struggled down the stretch last year, I guess through the whole season, 5.27 ERA. But now it's a, it's a pretty interesting bullpen after being one that was really not interesting at all. It looks like last year they were the fourth worst bullpen in baseball. Yeah. I mean, some of the names that they went they cycled through last year. Yeah. It's, it's, you can kind of see what they've done. This, the, the attack this off season there, just trying to shore up their their rotation and bullpen with you know guys that they can at least count on to, to be there and not completely implode I, I suppose mm-hmm. and you know that's kind of what they've done they, they're not and it's not the best pitching staff in baseball but it shouldn't destroy them like it has in the past like the the last couple of years their pitching has been their downfall so yep um, th- these these guys should keep them in games, and you know, with Bobby Witt and Pascantino, and you know, they get some interesting other pieces on offense. Melendez, Salvi, still there. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives them at least a fighting chance in the Hale Central. So we could be, yeah, the, the, this bullpen all of a sudden becomes somewhat relevant in holds leagues because the you know I'm guessing the Royals. I mean, they shouldn't. I'm they're going to win seventy five, maybe more games. I would say that's my off the top of my head guess um but yeah schreiber mcmillan um will smith macarthur anderson stratton that's it's a solid group uh and if carlos hernandez can give you anything like we we saw stretches last year where he was you know really really dominant and then he just kind of fell apart (laughs) towards the end of the year but there Mm -hmm. was you know when he was touching 99 um there is some hope there it's for for you know some big things from him so yeah they, they kind of you know it's just one through eight it's solid and it, it should keep them in games more so than it did last year i think they're probably my second or th- 
they're in my top five for most improved bullpens. I don't know. Probably not top two, but they're, 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 they've done a great job so far. And mm-hmm. it's just, you know, who's going to be the closer now is the, the next decision. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you said 75 wins for next year. They won 56 last year. That might, that might be a bold prediction. I mean, it's the AL Central, and they've shored up the. I mean, they Waka, added a lot. Waka and Lugo aren't again. They're not you know these aces, but they're not. They're going to keep them in games where I think they can. You know, last year they were rolling out. You know, Brady. They were counting on Brady Singer to be their ace until kind of until Reagan's <laughs> came over and like it's not good. You know, Jordan Lyles was their number two or three guy. It's just it wasn't really. <laughs> They weren't set up for success last year in the pitching department. This year, they're just it's steadier. It's I think it gives them a yeah. chance to, especially with how bad the White Sox are going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? The Tigers have also kind of made some moves, but not really sure what's going to come up come of that. So yeah, it's it's an interesting division for sure. And um, I, I think the Royals have somewhat of a chance. I, I think everyone kind of does, except for the White Sox in this division. Yeah, I think the Royals spent like the third most money this offseason so far, but it's crazy that the like they spent that much money on the yeah, the Dodgers are like 10 times more anybody else. Um, But it's crazy the the talent that they added with the money, the amount of money that yeah, it's like Hunter Renfro, Garrett Hampson, Adam Frazier, Michael Waka, Seth Lugo, Will Smith, Nick Anderson, Chris Stratton. And it's like we spent. 150 million dollars and then they also extended yeah for real um but you know maybe that that'll work well for them this was a team that you know really just needed major league caliber players across the roster so that's that's sort of what they went out and did and you know i am never going to you know give a team a hard time for spending money in an offseason i want everybody to spend yeah it's at least there's names here that are recognizable you know in the lineup and the bullpen and the rotation um and they got some some depth in the minors, not a ton, but yeah, it's uh, I, I think you know John McMillan's the big the big name to keep an eye on. Um, really excited to see a full season of him. I want him to be the closer so bad. I don't think it's gonna. I think Will Smith's gonna still be the guy opening day. Yeah, based off what I've heard, and it's nothing you know concrete, but just listen to you know manager talk there, Quattro. It's it sounds like he. I think he mentioned Will Smith first the other day when they talked about the bullpen. So I don't know. Just those little things make me make me believe Smith's probably going to be the first closer, the first chance at closing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, We can move over to the Angels as we stay in the American League. And I think this is either one or two. And in terms of most improved bullpens, the Angels added Jose Cisnero. They brought back Matt Moore. They added Robert Stevenson, Adam Simber and Luis Garcia. And really the only name of consequence that they lost was Aaron Loop. And it's not like he was that great. And now this bullpen is actually pretty solid. I wouldn't say it's like one of the top bullpens in the league, but last year they were, let's see, where were they? They were not good. They were worse than the Royals. They were the third worst bullpen in baseball last year. And now it's at a situation where I actually feel pretty confident about this bullpen because not only does it get better at the top end where you have Stevenson to pair with Carlos Estevez and Matt Moore, but now you have depth to it with Luis Garcia, Adam Simber, and Jose Cisne as well as the aforementioned Drew Pomeran. So I'm actually feeling pretty good about this bullpen. I think it could be middle of the pack, which is a huge improvement over last year, but it's crazy how much they focused on it and how 
well they did in terms of upgrading. And it's really all they really had to do was just add anybody to the bullpen and not rely on their in-house options. But I, I'm, I'm glad that they focused on it because that was definitely a, a situation where that was exactly what they needed to do this offseason. Yeah, I mean, they did like, yeah, they did what they needed to do um, because they weren't going to, it doesn't seem like they were ever really contenders for, or, I mean, there's still time to prove wrong, but not, they're, they're not going to add Blake Snell or Jordan Montgomery, it seems like. Um, so they're not adding to their rotation. They didn't really add any bats. So they spent all their money and resources on, on a bullpen. That's going to be their strength this year. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously, Stevens the big the big here yeah but just you know rounding it out with more and garcia and even like simber cisnero can kind of can help out here and there uh you don't have to rely on ben joyce like giving you innings because who knows yeah health and command you can't really rely on him um so yeah, yeah there's still there's still plenty of depth like with, with joyce and, and herget and even like andrew wants yeah right uh yeah herget we've seen produce in the, in the past so um yeah i think you know stevenson is really he he's gonna probably have to carry the the load here i mean maybe not as a closer right away but he's he's gotta be you know him and soriano are the most talented options here um potentially joyce if he can you know figure things out so there's there's some upside here and it's at the same time it seems pretty safe with you know guys like Moore and Garcia as well so mm-hmm. i you know I, I think it's the most improvable pen and like you said it's probably more middle of the pack overall still yeah. just because you know, there's question marks of Estevez and you know Simber and Cisnero don't exactly move the needle much for me but they they it gives you a floor at least that last year they're they, you know, the floor kind of collapsed on them as they finished like one of the three worst bullpens in baseball. Yeah, which is it was just pretty crazy considering the two below them are like the Rockies and the A's, which yeah. th- those would be pre- pretty hard to top. Um, but yeah, I, I love to see the Angels focusing on that, if not just to uh, make it more appealing for us to talk about them in 2024. But Moving to a team that has a very different situation where it's like the Angels were clearly so bad last year and now they're going to be, you know, not terrible next year. The Braves were a top five bullpen in baseball last year. And I think if we're talking about where the bullpen was at the outset of the offseason, like they they subtracted all the guys and what did they do after that? This team lost Jesse Chavez, Kirby Yates, Colin McHugh, Brad Hand, and Nick Anderson to free agency. I think they... DFA Nick Anderson or traded him or something. Um, but either way, they lost all those guys and then they went and added Reynaldo Lopez. They brought back Joe Jimenez and they traded for Aaron Bummer. And I think those are upgrades over the guys that oh, yeah. they lost and also are just like, if you're considering, like I said, the start of the offseason where you're, you're just you're at the negative and then who, who do you get to replace or, or add to the bullpen? And I, I think they did a great job of that. They really attacked it early. They also extended Pierce Johnson. And so if you were worried about this team losing so many veteran assets that were, you know, integ- integral to the team over the past couple of years, don't worry about that because they went out and they got some very solid guys in Lopez and Jimenez and then got a, a, bounce back candidate and bummer who I think is going to be really legit for them. And once again, this bullpen is looking like it should be top five again. 
Yeah, I, I think there's easily I think there's a case to be made this might be the best bullpen in baseball. Um sure. They really like those subtractions. I mean, not they didn't really get a whole lot out of any of those guys last year. Um I mean, they got something from Chavez like in the beginning part of the season. Mm-hmm. Yates here and there, but for the most part, they've definitely the additions have you know, been better than the subtractions um, with Reynaldo Bummer and then keeping Jimenez. This bullpen is really deep and they have, you know, not just in the minors, but, um, you know, Ray Kerr is kind of an interesting name that they have stashed in the minors. Dylan Lee, yeah. they have two lefties there. Uh, if Matzik doesn't come back well. And then, like, you, I, I don't know if Penn Murphy is going to make it back for next season, but that's another guy they kind of have stashed away from on IL. So, um, but like Aaron Bummer, Minter, Masic, that's a really good left-handed trio. And then Iglesias, Lopez, Jimenez, Pierce Johnson. I mean, yeah, this is, you know, really deep. Um, they spent a lot of money to keep everyone here, but yep. it, it's hopefully, you know, hopefully worth it for them. Cause this, this still, I mean, they're the favorite to win, you know, they're the favorites to, you know, win the world series this year. And I think the bullpen is going to, is going to be a huge part of that. Um, you Did know. you mention Dylan Lee? Um, yes, he's right now. I think they have him in starting in AAA, which is yeah. weren't you a big fan of his? Like a year yeah, or two ago, he, uh, going into last year, because I believe twenty twenty two, he kind of had a little bit of a breakout in short amount of, in forty six innings. Yeah, forty six innings. He had a two point one three ERA and a twenty nine point four percent K rate. Um, 0.99 whip and now he's starting this year in triple a potentially so yeah just being able to you know call up him or again ray Kerr is kind of he's had some helium as a release prospect before so there's just a ton of options here yeah kind um, of depth and don't forget ken giles yeah it's really some ken, oh, ken giles that's what the day is. <laughs> yeah, I, um, <laughs> I think they're they're pretty well set for this next season, and it, it was you know I, I I didn't expect them to not go and improve the bullpen after losing all of these guys, but they they really made some smart moves here, and definitely if they're even if they don't move up inside the top five, there were five last year, which you know that that that's, feels like that's a, a good projection for them next year. Even if they don't move up that, I, I feel like just the additions that they made after having gone into the offseason losing so many guys uh, right. definitely makes them one of the teams that improved a lot. But staying in that same bullpen, the Mets added a pretty decent amount of guys. And I, I, I think this might be the second most improved bullpen behind mm-hmm. the Angels. They lost only Trevor Gott and... Instead, they added Jake Diekman, Shintaro Fujinami, Jorge Lopez, and Adam Adovino. So I think the the thing here is they didn't really add any like big name that's going to be fighting for a closer role or really is going to be a like significant setup guy where it's like he's, you know, one of them is top 15 in your holds rankings or something. But all of these guys are very solid and present upside that they've flashed in the past. Fujinami has incredible stuff. Diekman was really great for the Rays last year. We've seen Jorge Lopez be a, a, a top 15 closer in the past. And Adam Adovino has, you know, been very, very consistent for a long time. And going from a bullpen that was last year not a good one, I think they were 24th. So they were 
you know, bottom 10, almost bottom five in all of baseball. And now I think they're probably going to be middle of the pack, very similar to the Angels in terms of adding a lot of guys and just improving from in-house options. Yeah, I think really, you know, we kind of mentioned this in one of the pods uh, previously, how they've added veterans who are kind of like risk reward guys, um, like Diekman and Fujinami, Jorge Lopez. Uh, but if you just like between those three and then Ottavino, if you get, you know, if you hit on two of two of those guys have good seasons for you between, you know, those two plus Rayleigh and Diaz, then your bullpen is pretty in pretty good shape. Um, yeah. You know, I think there's still Drew Smith can still be, you know, somewhat valuable as well as, you know, Phil Bickford's another interesting one. So, yeah, they're, they're, this, this bullpen's not, it's not a weakness like it was last year. Last year, there was not a lot of depth oh my here. Gosh. Yeah. It, it yeah. was, it's similar to Kansas City, yeah, like in a way where, you know, now one through eight, you, you recognize the names and like all that. Like you, there's some legitimate, you know, there's a floor here as well as some upside. So, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things work out with um, who's going to be getting the ball to Diaz. Who's going to? I think you know Rayleigh's probably a setup option, and then you know is it Ottavino or you know Deakman, Drew Smith remains to be seen. But um, plenty of plenty of options. And yeah. you you mentioned Diaz, and I feel like he can be considered an addition because he did not pitch at right. all for them last year. Right. So and that might be the the biggest addition any <laughs> team in all of baseball added. And I didn't even include that in there. So even without the addition of Edwin Diaz, they are one of the most improved teams. If you include him, I think they're the most improved bullpen from 2023 to 2024. And I had said middle of the pack. I think this is a guaranteed top ten bullpen in 2024. Ooh, okay. I think Diaz might get them there. Yeah. Um, it's good. It, it, it has the potential to be. Yeah. I, I want to see Fujinami. I want to see him really take off because yeah, there were glimpses last year where, oh, I like, well, this is this guy could be a potential future closer here. And mm-hmm. he's got the stuff. Yeah. It just comes down to consistency and hopefully now a year into, you know, being stateside, maybe he'll have an easier time transitioning this year. Um, to everything the base the new baseball and all that Mm -hmm. yep so we've got one more team that we're going to go in depth with before we sort of just look at it uh piecemeal by going through teams that added you know significant options but first we're going to take a quick break and we're back jake crumpler here with rick graham on in the pen talking about relievers and most uh, uh, specifically, we are talking about the most improved bullpens from 2023 to 2024. We discussed the Royals, Angels, Braves, and Mets as some of the most improved bullpens this offseason. And we'll wrap up the in-depth breakdown with the Padres, who made a lot of additions this offseason. And it was almost necessary considering the amount of talent that they lost. But if you're just looking at you know, how many guys did they add and, and the quality of their additions? I think they did a pretty good job. Obviously, they lost Josh Hader. They also lost Nick Martinez, who was a swingman. Uh, they lost Scott Barlow, Luis Garcia, and Tim Hill as well. But they added Wani Peralta, Yuki Matsui, Wusuk Go, and Eniel De Los Santos. And I, I think that's a pretty good group to add, especially considering where they were at at the outset of the offseason with basically Robert Suarez, Stephen Wilson, and Tom Cosgrove and not much else. So adding a couple uh, 
overseas players that have a lot of upside and I think should be pretty decent. We talked about Matsui at the top of the show about how good he looked in his, in his debut. And Wani Peralta has been very serviceable over the past few years. And De Los Santos, I think, is a, a, a very decent replacement for Scott Barlow. So this bullpen is actually very, very deep right now because you know, Wusa Go right now is looking like the the number seven reliever in that bullpen, like the the last middle relief guy. And there's a shot he's one of their best relievers. So I, I really like the look of this bullpen. It just doesn't have that one clear standout guy where you're, you know, as an offensive team facing them, shaking in your boots to reach the ninth inning. Yeah, I, it's a completely new look. I mean, bullpen for them. Only three three guys remain from last year's bullpen right now in the top eight. Um, yeah, I, you know, losing Hater is a big loss. So I feel like if anything, they've kind of broke even um, by adding Matsui and go um I, you know i'm never been really high on Wandy peralta i think he's he's fine he's a he's a decent real life pitcher doesn't have much fantasy wise but he, you know he gives him another lefty to go with cosgrove and matsui i i don't know there's you know it depends on how suarez is as the closer if he opens the air as the closer i mean matsui looked great today we mentioned that in the beginning but it's um i'm kind of thinking this is like a bottom five six bullpen in baseball this year uh, unless things break right for a bunch of guys i i i don't know we'll see if, if suarez is healthy i mean he, he's exciting uh and metsui certainly is too um but his but i i don't know from all the scouting reports i saw in metsui is basically he's like an average bullpen arm um that's kind of how he got paid so We'll see. He looked good today. That's definitely a great start, but um, we'll see what happens in April. Yeah, and I, there's a there's a shot for more. I, they've got yeah. guys in the minors that are interesting. I mean, Morihone could transition to the bullpen because he's been unable to stay healthy as a starter. They've also got Jeremiah Estrada, who was a big relief pitching prospect for the Cubs. I think Alec Jacob is also somewhat interesting. Uh, he pitched pretty well last year. For the team at double A as a 25 year old, which, you know, he's old for the level, but it was a 1.32 ERA across 27 innings. And then he came up and did not allow a run in three innings for the Padres Major League Club. So that, that should be an interesting one as well. well. We'll see how all of that plays out. But I think they've got plenty of options. And if it all works out, I think it's going to be a pretty decent bullpen. Last year, they were nearly bottom 10. They were 19th. So it, it's, it's close, but they might not have improved much over last year considering how much they lost. But I think if we consider, you know, where they were at the outside of the off season versus where they are now, they've definitely added a lot. Yeah. I mean, they, they knew they weren't going to be able to bring hater back and mm-hmm. considering all that they've done, they've done a fine job to, you know, put pieces there that can, you know, at least let them compete and win games, you know, at the end of games. So, um, yeah, it, it's it's not the worst bullpen. It's probably I don't know, still probably a bottom ten bullpen for me as as it stands right now. Just not having mm-hmm. that you know top tier option definitely hurts them. Yeah. Um, so those are the only teams we'll go in depth on, but there were a handful of teams that added one or two names that should 
factor into the late innings. The Orioles added Craig Kimbrell, which was very smart because they really just needed, you know, one guy to fill in for one year while Felix Bautista recovers from Tommy John surgery. The Yankees added a couple Southpaws and Caleb Ferguson and Victor Gonzalez. The Rays added Phil Maton, which I, I think that's just like a perfect replacement for Robert Stevenson, just in terms of, you know, a, a guy that Nobody really talks about too much, and then they turn him into an absolute ace. And then the White Sox added. Actually, we'll we'll just stick with that. That's the AL East. Um, do you have anything to say about any, any of those three teams? No, I mean, that, I think the Yankees and I think their fans were hoping to add, that they would add a little bit more than just a couple lefties. Um, but those are you know those are nice additions. Ferguson's a nice addition. Kimbrell definitely doesn't replace, I mean, Batista stat-wise, but he's probably the closest thing on the free agent market you could get for one year to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think they did well there with Kimbrell. And yeah, like you said, with Matone, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, great. That's going to be their Stevenson this year, probably, where yeah. he has an awesome year and gets paid a lot next offseason. Yeah, I'm pumped to see that. And, you know, the AL Central bullpens all really did a, at least a little bit. The Royals added a lot, but the White Sox added John Brebbia, which was sort of necessary considering all that they lost and the need, desperate need for a closer. The Guardians added Scott Barlow in the De Los Santos trade. The Tigers added both Chafin and Miller, and I was sort of uh, tempted to add them as a team that we would breakdown in depth because the players that they lost were not significant. And then they brought in a couple of veterans that have been good in past seasons, but they just missed the cut there. And then the twins adding Steven Oker was, was a very good addition. Any thoughts on these AL central additions? Yeah. I mean, we talked, the white Sox had a lot of losses, but I guess Brebby is the one addition. That's kind of interesting. Um, you know, we didn't even didn't even mention that Gregory Santos isn't there anymore. That's another mm-hmm. between him, Bummer, Ronaldo, Milton, yeah. and Joe Kelly. I mean, yeah, the bullpen started off really nice last year, <laughs> and now they're all in different places. Um, Barlow's a nice is Barlow's a slight addition or a slight upgrade, I think, for that bullpen. It doesn't change a whole lot, but it gives him a you know a veteran ish um, you know setup option behind Class A. Yeah, Schaefer and Miller are interesting additions to a bullpen that was already kind of not bad last year. I mean, we we know Alex Lang has his issues. He has his ups and downs. But, you know, between Foley kind of breaking out last year and some of the other pieces they have, you know, Holton had a good year. Um, yeah, it kind of shores up their bullpen and gives them, you know, a, a nice solid floor um, for their bullpen. Uh, I don't know how good. I mean, Shelby Miller is still getting a lot of talk from their their management and front office, and I we'll we'll see what Miller's role is. But I'm kind of like, I just have this sneaky feeling that Shelby Miller is going to be closing out games opening day. Um, oh, and no. yeah, I don't love it, but I don't know. It's something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Uh, in the AL West, the Astros made maybe the biggest addition of the offseason and getting Josh Hader. The Mariners got Gregory Santos in the trade with the White Sox. And then the Rangers, who really desperately needed to add to their bullpen, got a couple of veterans in David Robertson and Kirby Yates. Uh, you know, I, I think these are some fun additions for all of these teams. And I, I wish the Rangers had done a little bit more, but mm-hmm. I, I think it makes sense. Uh, but, you know, you just won the World Series. I can't be going all out. 
Yeah, I, I think all three of these teams are kind of interesting because uh, Houston adds Hater, but they also lose Naris, uh, Maytone, and Stanek, Stan- and yeah. someone else. I mean, they lost Grayman for the year, so they lost a couple guys, but they get Hater, so I, uh, it kind of makes up for it. I still the depth there is still a little questionable. It's it's better than it was, you know, prior to them signing Hater, but. Um, Santos is kind of there. He he can replace. You know, they moved Topa to Minnesota in that uh, Polanco trade. Santos is you know gives them a secondary setup option, and I mean they were already a great bullpen last year. This just makes them. I think Santos is an upgrade over Topa, so that's the nice little addition there. Uh, Texas is yeah they so they add Robertson and Yates the two veterans I'm sure Bochy loves you know he loves the fact that these guys are in their mid to late thirties, um, but I, I still think that that talent wise there's something lacking in that bullpen they lost Chapman who I for as you know bad as he can be at times he still has the ability to strike out the side you know pretty easily. Um, I, I still think Josh Spores, and, and they mentioned him as a high-leverage candidate for this year. They're not going to name a closer. They're just going to name high-leverage guys. So I think Spores is really a great late-round sleeper right now. Totally. And uh, I think we'll group this, the whole National League together because we talked about really the only big additions in the NL East, and then the NL West is really just the the Dodgers additions, the, the rest of that division didn't really do a whole lot. So the Cubs added both Hector Neris and Yancy Almonte. The Reds added Emilio Pagan. The Pirates added the aforementioned Araldis Chapman. The Cardinals got both Andrew Kittredge and Keenan Middleton, while the Dodgers added Joe Kelly and Ryan Brazier. They're bringing Brazier back. Um, I, I do and like Kelly. that the Cubs... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so he, just, he just didn't start the, the year with them. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think this is a. I think the Cubs did did the right thing in terms of getting more depth pieces that sort of help out Azalai, like s- sort of take all the pressure off of him. I wish the Reds had done a little bit more. Pagan does not really get mm. me excited. We we talked about him extensively when he signed, just how much he signed for, and the fact that he's a flyball pitcher in Great American Small Park. Uh, Aroldis Chapman's going to be a good signing anywhere. It's just really the the politics that come with that. I love what the Cardinals have done with their bullpen. I, I really think it's a, a very enticing bullpen going into 2024. And then uh, I could care less what the Dodgers do, but <laughs> <laughs> they they did add a, a couple guys that had a lot of success with their team. Yeah, I, I think the Cardinals and, you know, hope the hope is that you get you know, Helsley back for a full year, Jojo Romero, those two, plus Gallegos, Kittredge, Middleton. That's a very, very interesting bullpen now. Um, you know, the Pirates did... Oh, I mean, Chapman's interesting fit there. Um, they didn't really lose anyone this offseason, so it seems like a, a plus for the Pirates. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, Chicago, I mean, everyone was expecting them to make a splash of, like, Hater or whatnot. But Naris is a solid addition that and they didn't really lose much. They didn't lose anyone in that bullpen that I can think of. So it's still an addition. It's still a plus um, for for that bullpen. And yeah, the Dodgers kept everyone except for a couple of lefties and Ferguson and Gonzalez that they let go to the Yankees. So that Dodgers bullpen is essentially the same. 
Um, if Kelly can stay healthy and, you know, Vezia can do what he did in the second half last year, then this, the Dodgers bullpen could be the best in baseball again. And I'm sure that's going to upset you, but <laughs> it's just, you know, they're going to probably have the best bullpen, the best, not even not the best rotation, but the best bullpen, best lineup in baseball potentially. So yeah. only the Braves can, can change that i think no <laughs> well, that would be completely fine with me but uh that wraps up our breakdown of the most improved bullpens from 2023 through this offseason uh to run them back down the royals angels braves mets and padres were the most improved bullpens from last season going into 2024 so those will be some fun ones to watch we'll actually have probably a lot more fun watching you know the the angels and the royals pitch as opposed to last year but before we close out the podcast rick tell the listeners where they can find you on social media and plug anything you're working on yeah you can find me on twitter at i am rick graham um currently not working on anything getting ready for you know trying to get my draft ranks ready is i still haven't we talked a little bit before the show i still haven't had any drafts i'm itching this week i finally start you know start drafting so getting excited for that um and then yeah getting ready to just you know up update rankings as spring training goes on nice and you can follow me on Twitter at Jake Crumpler. You can follow the pod at In the Pen Pod. Uh, you can find all of my work at crumplerbaseball.com. I should have an article coming out in the next few days. Uh, it's probably likely going to be early next week. But you can also check out my personal podcast, Free Baseball. That's on my Twitter as well as at Athletes Hub on Twitter. But that is going to do it for this episode of In the Pen. We will talk to you all next week. 